Many of us have those stubborn pounds that seem impossible to lose, no matter how good we eat or how hard we work out. My solution is Plush Care. Plush Care is a leading telehealth provider with doctors who are there for you day and night to partner with you in your weight loss journey. They can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wagovi and Zepbound for those who qualify. Plus, they accept most insurance plans. To get started, visit plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. Hello and welcome back to Get It Off Your Breasts, the podcast that digs into the issues that really get under your skin. With no filters. I'm Emma Gannon. And I'm Leanna Bird. And this week, we're delighted to be joined by broadcaster and all-round badass Angela Scanlon, who you'll no doubt know from The One Show and Robot Wars. And we're going to tuck into some juicy topics today, like Americanisms, burnout, and how to include men more in the feminist conversation. Hi, Angela. We're in your house. And what do you want to get off your breasts? I want to get off my breath, my bra, first of all. But I feel like it might be a bit early. Feel free. Feel free. <laughs> Let loose. Um, no, I want Americanisms. I've noticed, I mean, maybe it's been happening for a while, but I've noticed in my socials, in advertising, whether that's online or elsewhere, this kind of influx of Americanisms in our language. It came to me the other day because somebody said, we've just launched our, I'm putting on an American accent, it wasn't, it was a very British brand introducing fall. Mm, the fall, fall season, yeah, mm. and I just thought, no, what, what? It's autumn. I mean, there's always going to be a little argument about whether it starts in September or October, and I'm okay with that. <laughs> I don't really care, but I did just call it autumn, and it's not just that. I think you know, there's obviously millions of other examples of that. Did you say that you were also at a, like a social occasion where people were actually talking in Americanisms around yeah. you as well? So yeah. What sort of things like? I think I've heard it as, as well, but any so, examples? Well, it, it's kind of like not only the words used, but this kind of like slightly generic American accent mm. and lilting. And I'm like, where are you, where are you from? Oh, you, a hole? or Galway I'm like I can't quite figure it out and so I wonder whether it's because we're exposed to you know I don't know do you think films and TV we've all got Netflix now we watch like so many American box sets and and podcasts in America like you know the serial voice yes of like this is serial and it's kind of yeah you I don't know if that is ingrained but I actually got I used to get told off by my mum because me and my sister were obsessed with Saved by the Bell like I literally wanted to marry Zach Morris yeah I wanted to be Kelly I wanted to be Kelly I mean you know I've got the hair of Zach (laughs) 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 but um, it was really funny because she would be like like Emma you can't call it like I'd be like hey mum I'm gonna take out the trash <laughs> and she'd be like I'm going oh on my vacation God. yeah like the garbage the garbage like, why no it really annoys me and yeah. I think it's natural because like you say we're what you know we're watching films we're on Netflix we're seeing American people <laughs> all the time but I think we always kind of have I think it's why we can do like an American accent a bit easier than Americans attempting to do well, an Irish pretty good. I'm quite impressed. or a British accent because <laughs> they've never heard it isn't it funny as well like British accents in uh, like Friends there's a fake 
Is it? Oh, who is well, it? Ross's Queen's girlfriend. English, Rachel. Emily. Or Emily. Emily. Yes, yes. And yeah. it's never right. It's no, never... because it's kind of. But she is Queen. British. She that is. Was weird that oh. it, was, it, was, it was like. She was over... in cold feet, wasn't yeah. she? Yeah. Um, Helen Baxendale, is it? So yeah. do you think they said, can you be a little bit more British? I think she like overpronounced her British. It was like, Queen's English, please. I tell you what I noticed, though, um, which kind of bugs me sometimes, is that um, British bands, when they sing, sometimes they sing in American accents. Do you know what I mean? Like oh, they, yeah. And, and, and you'll notice sometimes you'll hear a British band singing in with a British accent and, and pronouncing you know the, the A's as ah and, all yeah, yeah, yeah. and it kind of sounds almost weird um, and I think like it was only recently like I don't know maybe the last 10-20 years that bands even started doing it but yeah. like if you listen back to music from the 60s and stuff like all the British bands would basically sing in American accents a softened kind of yeah. yeah you're right actually is the band Twin Atlantic yeah there's, I think they're Scottish. I'm going to get it wrong, but I think they're Scottish. Oh my god! When I hear them, they they sound so Scottish. <laughs> and when they're singing, you're just it's so lovely now I when love you hear that. that real authentic accent. So do you think out. though that that is like slightly that the, one of the reasons it's bugging you and bugs us as a nation is because Brits are a little bit snobbish about our language? Oh, no, language well, I'm in... not English, so it, that's not it. Sure. Of course, um, <laughs> but, of course, uh, that's a whole other conversation. Um, I. Think I think, I don't know, I guess it's the same thing that kind of bugs me about Starbucks. It's like, let's just have some sort of, I suppose, let's protect, not protect, but celebrate the uniqueness of different nations and of different uh, accents and of different Mm. cultures rather than all trying to bland everything out and just everything feeling the same. Homogenised, yeah. Yeah. I tell you what I find slightly annoying as well. Like it's kind of similar. It's like it's like certain American commercial things seeping in. Like the fact that we now like Black Friday, for example, which is basically just an excuse for shops to push more um, marketing on us and basically make us all spend our money more. Yeah. And it's become like a thing now. Like it's just accepted. And I and I feel like we're going to have Thanksgiving next, and it's like another excuse for people to push like gift like greetings cards on us. But already Thanksgiving is an Instagram thing over here. Oh really? Yeah, I see loads of people who are going having. Th- I mean, I may or may not have done it last year. Do you see it? Thanksgiving thing. Yeah. Oh, so it's like, you know, any excuse. Um, so maybe I'm an absolute hypocrite, am I? Do you think like the internet and social media as a whole though, is making the world seem a lot smaller? So yeah. you know, I follow X many people, but I'm sure half of them might live in America. Just, the lines are blurring. Um, like. But I, I find a lot. I know some people who pronounce like Twitter, 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 Twitter. and it's like I wonder where that's coming from because they haven't mm. spent any time there. Yeah, it's got to be. It's got to be TV and music. Mm. I think it has to be. Or is it that they, you know are just trying to slightly distance themselves from not where they are but kind of neutralize themselves maybe i definitely think i definitely think that i try and like not sound as posh as i am sometimes yeah because i'm like a bit embarrassed to sound posh like i don't i don't think i notably do it but i'll like you know water and stuff water. like that like, I'll say water and my mum will be like why are you speaking like that even though my mum's water my mum's not even English but <laughs> she's like got a really heavy accent but still notices these things do you think there's it's really interesting because I think some of this sounds a little bit sometimes like it could be like cultural appropriation-ish if you're borrowing language if yeah. you're borrowing slang if you're yeah. borrowing someone else's culture it's like your accent is a big part of your personality and who you are and yeah. like your, your roots do you find that that plays into it like everyone should just be themselves Big time. And I think that's probably what it is. So, you know, whether it's the language that you use or the way that you look, it's kind of 
like holding on to yourself rather than trying to blend in with mm. everybody else. But I think that's because I'm a redhead and I've always like slightly felt, you know, like I really have to protect that. Mm. Do, so do, do you find as an Irish woman as mm-hmm. well, do you find that... Um, similar things happen where like in Ireland like little Britishisms will like come in or Englishisms rather will sort of seep in and it's slightly annoying or even vice versa that like when you're over here people will like steal an Irish expression and you're a bit like hold a minute that's us back off guys well when people say uh and I don't know whether they use it in, in conversations with other British people, but people will say, oh, that was grand. And I'll say, that's not really the way Irish people use the word grand, right? So, you, you know, for people... And it, it's in, in a well-meaning way. It's not like it's supposed to be kind of patronising or anything, but they'll say, oh, how... You know, I asked somebody, uh, how was your weekend? Oh, it was a, oh, it was a grand weekend. And I thought... Okay, I, mean, I, I don't. I don't think you know you would deliver it in a different way because grand in Ireland means okay. Kind you of. see, if someone said that to me, I'd think that they went to like a ballroom yeah, and they, they, had, had they were like a very grand weekend, yeah. or like a grand. Ash was grand, kind of in a, in a slightly Tom Cruise far and away lilt. And whereas grand to an Irish person is, ah, they grand. say people say the crack mm, now as well. Crack, like I had a good crack. Does that wind you up a bit as well? Well, because again, I don't know that. No, crack, I'm okay with. Once they understand it's not a classic. We're going to clip drug. that out and just have crack, I'm okay with, and just release that. Is that okay? Yeah, that's fine. It's perfect. Um, yeah, that, I think that's kind of sweet, I suppose. I don't mind that too much. But yeah, I, I guess um, I, I recently was on a job where. Uh, the the director was telling I was saying a word I can't even remember what the word was but but it was a T and so Irish people tend to go in quite hard on the old T's right so whether it's like you know a tree right that sounds normal but three the number also we would say tree because you know we're busy like just get to it and so she started repeating over and over again she was actually Australian she started repeating over and again turty tree turty tree and she was literally like doing a leprechaun dance in the in the hall she's like turty tree turty tree and I said "Mm, yeah I think I think we get the point you know Mm -hmm. and also I just thought dude you're what like what are you doing Mm -hmm. and it's kind of in a way possibly a compliment that you know people feel like feel like there's a closeness a familiarity with Irish people that they're mm. never insulting you but actually there's kind of yeah sometimes I've had that on a shoot in America once the oh, photographer really? was like um, hey where are you from I can't do the accent and um, he kept going Shoreditch Shoreditch Hackney Hackney Shoreditch like that <laughs> literally whilst taking pictures of me <laughs> yeah, he was so he weird was taking he was like oi over here Shoreditch <laughs> and I was like I really hate this man Oh like it was God. just I mean it was funny but like it's, it's mocking me <laughs> but, but you know what I think it's really interesting what you were just saying when you said is it a form of cultural appropriation because like it's like how important is language to us then as an identity like is does that become part of your culture like as a, as someone who's Irish like is part, you know those sort of terms of phrase and language that's uniquely Irish does that become like something that you see as part of your identity and when because people, people borrow them and mm. then you feel like yeah not like is, are you kind of like seeping into that whole like cultural appropriation mm. thing or, or, is, mm. or, is language or are we just taking it too seriously I don't know no, I think yeah. it's very interesting so I think 
especially some somewhere like Twitter, like the, Twitter, like, you mean? Uh, Twitter. Twitter. There's like there's different groups of people on Twitter, and they use it in different ways, and they use it to express their identity. So I think when you look at how other people are using language to talk about their own culture, maybe it's like the LGBTQ culture. Maybe they've got some slang. Can you really just pick and choose that and use it? I you don't see, think you can. Okay, so my only point of reference because I think especially with something like cultural appropriation it we can all have our opinions but unless you're of that culture you can't maybe really understand and so you have to respect people of that culture's opinions on it I'm Jewish I have like a big fat Jewish family and I love it when I hear like really like Yiddish words or like really Jewish words like being used in other people's culture because I see it as like a warm like they're embracing it and okay. I you know if someone calls me like a nudnik or a schmuck I mean hopefully wouldn't call me that because they're negative words but if someone says like oh it's being such a nudnik or a schmuck or something like that I find I like I like that because I'm like oh it's like I don't know they're accepting that or even if you I go to a wedding and people are doing like Jewish dancing if they're not Jewish I actually quite enjoy that I don't know maybe I'm coming from a slightly different point of view and maybe it's you know different and so what do you enjoy about it I don't know I just think like I because I you know I'm quite like a global person and I feel like that's people accepting my culture so it's an embracing of that yeah I I see that like that they are warmly embracing Jewish culture like I'm not religious in any way so for me Judaism is like being Jewish is totally a cultural thing yeah and I love like if I can teach someone to like make a proper Jewish soup like a chicken soup like with bones Boiled to death, so it makes me feel amazing. Like I really like that, and I see like it's, I feel it's like people are interested in my culture. They're interested in where my family's from, and I also just think like the whole like global community is kind of blending, and you know that we all kind of learn and are enjoying each other's cultures. I I I see that as a positive thing. Yeah. So fall doesn't bother you. I think. I think the fall thing <laughs> is probably because the fashion world yeah. is dominated oh. by America. I mean, I don't know. Oh, but I, no, I don't think that's true. Do you not think, no? No. Okay, so if I heard someone, for yes, example, call, like saying diaper, yeah. I'd be a bit like, what are you talking about? Like, mm. you're British, that's weird. It's a nappy, yeah. babe. I definitely mm. think that's weird, yeah. Yeah. Mm. So I, I get, I, I feel you. It is weird. It's weird. <laughs> <laughs> on that note, Emma, would you like to um, move on to what you'd like to get off your breasts? Yes. Um, so I would like to get off my breasts um, the sort of idea that. Uh, feminism is just for women which obviously is really obvious that it's not but in a lot of things recently like campaigns films podcasts even and I'm guilty of this are kind of excluding a lot of men and this has come from actually friends of mine and also my boyfriend who were just like how how come like really innocently asking how come like lots of conversations around feminism are just including women like how come you only interview women because I do, I only interview women on my podcast apart from... Um, Matt Haig. Will, Will Young. <laughs> oh, and Matt Haig. So only a very handful of, of men, which I started to do very consciously, because actually it's very true. If you're, if you're making like a Talking Heads documentary about feminism, it, it feels odd that it's like 50 women. Mm. Because And also events, a lot of um, the audiences that go to feminist talks like... Uh, people like Laura Bates do lots of amazing um, keynotes around um, sexism. Mm-hmm. How come the whole audience is women? Like, we need men to know about sexism too. Yeah. I mean, I think with with Laura Bates and with the sexism issue, the the feeling 
the reason that men mightn't go is because they would feel like they're under attack whereas an open discussion about feminism and about what that means now and how we move that conversation forward then should 100% be open to mm. to but that men, was the and inclusive whole of men. point wasn't that Emma Watson the campaign that she fronted was called he, he for she. she and it was all about the fact that you know men need to be involved in this conversation because first of all like their opinions and their thoughts are valid and we want to hear them but also it affects them too because mm. Um, equality for women also means equality f- for men in a way and you know allowing men to also feel that they can express their f- traditionally feminine side yeah. and be emotional and all the rest of it is going to really help them too and so it needs to be a conversation that includes everyone and otherwise again it's that whole thing of speaking to your bubble I mean it's a massive bubble because it's just over half the population yeah, yeah. but it's still you know you're not going to change anything and change attitudes if the people who are still largely in power which today still is men um, are not involved in that conversation yeah. and, if you, and especially if we make them feel excluded I think that's mm. going to be so counterproductive to the aim yeah it yeah, just completely. really opened my eyes and obviously this is totally anecdotal but it's just um, having a few men that I know around me who are very liberal very open minded very supportive and very feminist for them to be like oh, I just kind of feel like I can't enter the conversation. Are they nervous of being shut down? Yeah, nervous of being shut down, nervous that they're like, that they haven't got anything really to say. And I, and I, it's a complicated one because obviously they, kind of, the patriarchy still exists. Mm-hmm. So I'm not saying like, let's just get men on a panel to talk about themselves all the time. We don't want that. That's like what we're, you know, trying to do less of. But it's just, I would hate for men not to feel like they're part of the conversation. Mm-hmm. And I think maybe I'm saying that a lot of my work is around women, to women, for women, by women. Mm-hmm. I yeah. just feel like actually I've opened my eyes to the fact that I don't want to exclude anyone. I think also with something I've noticed a bit, which I felt a bit uncomfortable with, is this whole word of mansplaining. Mm-hmm. Um, and I understand its context. Like when it's used properly, I get it. But I also think that it's used as an excuse to shut men down sometimes and again, keep them out of the conversation. And sometimes, you know, if someone is saying a point and you don't agree with them, like explain why you don't agree with them or argue with them. But just to say like, I don't need your mansplaining, almost like saying you're not female, so you can't be part of this conversation. Yeah. And I think like, I understand sometimes it's right to say that because sometimes, you know, a guy can wade in not having the perspective of being a woman, not, have, not having spent their lives being a woman. They'll never understand, you know, how right. that feels. Yeah. yeah. But I also think, like, don't shut down someone's opinion and make them feel small. And if you overuse that as well, you're basically saying to guys, because you're not a woman, you can't be part of the conversation at all. And some of these guys might have valid points. Like, they might have a, you know, a very good perspective on things. They might be super intelligent or, you know, empathetic. And I feel like by doing, by using mansplaining all the time, you're basically telling guys, like your boyfriend, Emma, for example, like, don't even have an opinion because you're going to get shut down. And actually why not just like engage in that com- even if that you think they're completely wrong like explain to them the female experience and explain to them why you don't agree with them and bring them to events with you yeah. like because I always bring my friends like to these sorts of things naturally I, I, I actually did bring my boyfriend to a Laura Bates talk once and he was like wow that's really like I was really interesting and I'm really glad I went and I was like because well, he probably didn't actually understand he didn't know some of the statistics yeah um, and neither did I but it was just like it's good for everyone to be aware of these things um, but it is interesting about the mansplaining thing because I've been thing is I've had situations where like I'd be talking about women in the workplace and like the pay gap and stuff like that mm-hmm. and I've had um, a man literally be like no that's not true um, and like really being like actually here's some statistics no about love. women in the workplace no love it's and I literally <laughs> I can't explain the anger like, that boils up mm. I literally go bright red and just have to like leave because it's like 
it, it's it that is mansplaining yeah and like there's a book um that rebecca solnit has written, uh, wrote it's a it's very famous feminist book called men explain things to me mm-hmm. and it's really uh... powerful and it's like that is it's it's an amazing word when it's used in the right context but i totally agree that to just shut men down means that they're just gonna feel really I mean, they feel isolated the they feel not entitled to have an opinion and actually as a result they they don't associate with the term feminist mm-hmm. um and i think the thing is that like those talks that you go to or a podcast that you listen to you absorb you learn you hear different points of view and different perspectives and you then share that with other people that you know so if a guy your boyfriend goes to Laura Bates talk he's sitting in the pub with his mates going did you know and so that's kind of the only way that actually they get the perspective from a female Mm. point of view because a lot of the time and it's you know slightly innocent perhaps a bit naive that men think that feminism is not a thing lads I mean we're over that now you have all of the same opportunities uh women can do whatever they want and in theory you know that's true in reality it's quite different I think a lot of people think that it's really scary to think how many people because actually we're in a bubble in a a very privileged also media bubble where we read links we share things we read things on Twitter we're like on the bus like reading loads of stuff a lot of people aren't accessing those things and also um, actually a friend of mine recently got a message me on Facebook he's um, he's like a late 20s um film director and he was just like hey Emma um what are your five top feminist books I'm just wanting to uh you know broaden my horizons a bit where should I start so I was like Sarah Pascoe Animals like Catelyn Brown House for Women like um Maya Angelou um Shonda Rhimes and um and I was like god that's rare I've never had like a straight white man be like what's my what's on my reading list like to do with See, feminism it's yeah. like it's great that's amazing and I've, I feel like I've met a lot of guys and I know a lot of guys and maybe I'm, I'm really lucky who are like staunch feminists and I think like they would be so brilliant to add to that conversation and could add so much and you're so right like we need to be a bit more which is why we're going to have men on the podcast yes men on the podcast but also you know have, you guys have read Lean In mm. so I remember um, thinking about that at the time and this whole idea of and Cheryl Sandberg talks all about it and she's like you know in order for a woman a woman to do 50% so obviously whether it's kids or housework or all of those things that still predominantly falls you know pretty much to the to the woman mm-hmm. a lot of the time yeah and so like as young women I think you absolutely want it to feel like there's a 50-50% I mean I'm a little too literal in the old 50-50 mark <laughs> but like you like timing things yeah, I do <laughs> I did half the math that's your half um, no, so, but you know I'm, like, I I take it quite seriously because actually I think it it can slip really quickly and Roy my husband's amazing at that actually but I see so many of my friends that just take for granted that that's that's what they do. Mm. That's what they have to do. And that's what they all have always done. But on the flip side of that, and Cheryl Sandberg hit on, hit on it in her book, in order for women to be, you know, freed up, in inverted commas, to do those things, to take on those bigger jobs, to do the things that usually are sacrificed when childcare or children come into the mix, that men need to also be allowed by society to... to lessen the their kind of responsibilities mm-hmm. slightly as well and that actually a lot of women who deem themselves to be feminists would kind of slightly recoil at the idea that they're 
husband or their partner might be a stay at home so they want they want you know to have all of the opportunities but they also want like a solid man like their dad but isn't that the whole point of feminism which is so misunderstood is that actually it's not about like just lifting women up and it's not about it's certainly not about which some people think which is that women should be able to have more than men or like women are better or that they want to like defeat men yeah it's nothing it's about equality and again that works both ways Mm -hmm. because it by making trying to make things equal you're also opening up huge opportunities for men yeah. uh, who maybe mm. feel that they, they aren't allowed to do those things now. And so that's, again, going exactly back to what you said, which is why feminism and discussions around it not only should involve men, because, mm. it, you know... Because like, more discussions the, around affects, paternity. But it, it, it affects them, yeah. It affects yeah. them too, so yeah. that, that's even... And that, like, while women are now given permission... Uh, to you know to work and to pursue careers that maybe would have been frowned upon beforehand uh, men should also be given permission to if they wish stay at home Mm. or you know be flexi time or whatever it is and you know not obviously not all revolving around children but like that actually they're allowed to do things that are traditionally not what the lad Mm. does yeah you know and I think it's yeah really important that it's inclusive conversation and not doors shut shut your mouth we'll talk to you when we've sorted this out <laughs> yeah well speak- so true yeah speaking of doing speaking loads of, of stuff work, and managing our lives yeah <laughs> so this is a topic that is well it's quite a personal one as well but i think it affects so many people i think in fact like i think there was a study um last christmas that said uh, it was across the eu that said that more than a quarter of the people they asked um which was over 55 million people said that they felt that they suffered from burnout so whether that's like lack of sleep or stress or being overworked um, and I feel like as I'm getting older, <laughs> more and more of my friends are like showing different symptoms or like different effects of burnout. And I feel like we all don't look out for it enough or not aware of it enough, like in the workplace, but also like looking out for each other. Mm-hmm. Um, and my particular like brand of burnout, I suppose, was that I was doing like trying to do too many jobs at the same time and like overloading myself and kind of feeling guilty to say no to anything, especially because a lot of the stuff I was doing was, like, for other people in a way. Like, or you know, I just felt, like, obligated to try and fulfil all these different promises I'd made to people. And, and I ended up getting an autoimmune condition and getting quite sick. So that was kind of my... And I thought, like, oh, what I've gone through is quite unique. And then the more I spoke to people about it, like, honestly, almost everyone I spoke to was like, oh, yeah, I got really sick from this. Or, oh, yeah, I had a nervous breakdown. Or, yeah, I got depression. And I was just like, gosh, this is literally, like... Here I was thinking, I'm so like, unique, this has happened to me, look at me. And actually, I was like, this is happening to everyone and people don't talk about it enough. Mm. And we've spoken quite a bit about it. We have. Because I, what um, I wondered with, with um, your situation, like, did you, did you have any symptoms coming? Like, did you see it coming or did it kind of hit you like a ton of bricks? No, so I literally, like, I'm like quite like a high octane person. Like, I work on quite a high frequency and I love it. Like, yeah. I love... Like, even just in daily life, like, I'll be cooking dinner and I'll be checking my WhatsApp and I'll be listening to the radio and I'll be having a conversation and I'll be doing my mascara at the same time. Like, it's almost a joke amongst my friends. Like, they say that I'm driving whilst doing my tax. That's, like, what they say. We don't don't do that at home, kids. (laughs) Do not copy this joke. But, yeah, so I think, like, that whole, like, just your brain being on on go is there. But but I enjoyed it. Like, I got a buzz from that and I liked it, so I didn't see it as a problem. And it was only literally when I got, like, physical symptoms like I would wake up every morning covered in hives like literally from head to toe as if I'd been like sleeping in a bed of nettles every morning for six months all over and then yeah all over my body and it would fade by the afternoon and then a couple of days I I would wake up and my entire face was literally like the biggest most swollen face as if I'd had a peanut allergy it was just huge 
um, which can be quite dangerous, obviously, if your throat closes. So I had to take it seriously and I got signed off work for a month. And, you know, it's really, it wasn't that serious, to be honest, like in terms of like on the scale of what people can yeah. can get. And, you know, thankfully for me, it wasn't a mental health thing, which I think could be the heart. Say, yeah, that yeah. could be like a whole other, you know, other story. Um, so for me, it's like, well, it's a physical thing and I got over it and it's, you know, fine, you know, I've mm-hmm. got through the other. But it, it just opened my eyes to how many people are suffering. And I do think like, in particular with mental health, that's not such an easy thing to to solve. Like I yeah. could solve it by just taking medication and resting Dial for everything a while. Down. Yeah, and now yeah. I haven't had any symptoms for six months. I'm totally fine. But I really like worry about people who, you know, are going through burnout and being pushed to the limits. Um, you know, the worst of which is obviously risk of suicide. There's been mm-hmm. so many cases, like especially, you know, I think there was that guy from Goldman Sachs who like worked for like three days solid. There's doctors who, there's a doctor who died. He worked three days in a row without a break and he literally died. Like, I think, I don't know whether it was his heart or, but it was a physical thing. Like people are being overworked to death. People are being pushed to the point where they're so overworked that they are committing suicide. Like that's the, that's the sort of most serious end of the spectrum. Well, but it's, it's a massive epidemic in Japan. Oh really? That same thing where yeah, um, I saw it recently, and it was like people on the tube, literally, or on their equivalent of tube, and uh, working all the hours, so going home on the tube, like sleeping on the tube before they literally have to get back in mm-hmm. to work the following day, and huge, huge increase in suicide. In yeah, it's just well, this is partly also because we don't have a switch off time because we're on our phones, because our emails are on our phones, because yeah. you, you know people expect instant answers now because of WhatsApp and things like that. You don't have that. You know, six o'clock, I go home you know I don't turn off my computer I put my down my phone you are constantly on and I think like you know especially like in a case of someone like a doctor obviously like you're doing such serious work and to be pushed to the point whereby you're just having to work days and days without breaks is so dangerous not just for the patients also for the, the doctors yeah. but, but how what, what can we do about it is my is what I'm trying to I mean and, and I think you know Emma you mentioned our bubble and so a lot of people work freelance and they take on everything and you, like I've always worked mm. for myself I mean within a career I had a million jobs beforehand where I worked for other people and in a way it's kind of like you can shut the door and go home on that but this kind of freelance world which more and more people are now involved mm. in you kind of feel like you can never say no and at the beginning of your career you're like yes 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 and if you say no it'll never come back and there's that kind of inbuilt fear where turning down work whether because you don't want to do it or you physically can't do it you your your reflex is to say yes and so say yes serve the client and sort yourself out later figure out how you do it after. it's interesting what you said about growing older because you you started by saying you know as I'm getting older and, and I feel like that's really important as well um, not that you're old but I think that when you're <laughs> younger like I used to do so much and I used to go to work with a hangover and I used to do it all and do loads of stuff and I feel like physically and mentally I could do it all and I've noticed with myself like the older I'm getting and 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 obviously the more you work the more you kind of achieve and like mm. you can go up the ladder slowly slowly um, but I feel like I've learnt the boundaries word recently. Mm-hmm. Like okay. I, I never had a label for it, but what that means is um, boundaries. Like no, I'm not on emails today, or I'm going on holiday, or tonight I'm then, not working. If you don't go on emails, don't you find people are like, "Hello, what's going on? Did you get my email?" Because people expect that instant answer, and they're like, "Did you get my email? Mm. Hello." Well, I kind of more stressful in a way. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I've learnt to like shut that down really because I think the pro of working for yourself is like you're always on and your phone's there and I could be 
on a beach and you would never know because I'd just be doing my emails. I could yeah. even schedule an email for 6 a.m. and they'd be like, Emma, can you early. schedule emails? Yeah, on Gmail, it's amazing. Sure. So I think there's life one, hacks. one <laughs> side of it is like, yeah, life hacks and also like, I don't go to an office, like, oh, the freedom. The other side of that is obviously the whole work life merge. And yeah. Well, the other side of that is that you're sitting off. on a beach, but you're on your emails. Yeah, yeah. Whereas... but then I'm, but then I'm like, I'd rather be doing that than staring at a brick wall but, but the, then but someone else might go right I'm leaving work I'm taking my two weeks holiday I am turning off and doing nothing and letting my brain have a rest exactly and also yes, yes. because you work in a creative industry you come back having had those two weeks seeing things differently and being like fed creatively because when you're in that fuzz of just reacting to things that are coming in I think you just don't feel very inspired to do anything which is why last week I went on a holiday for a week and I literally did not do one bit of work and I'm not that that's you, like I'm, a I'm gonna object, but... object to that because you responded to uh, messages with to me and our producer Shola we we we, we lured you back in yeah, on what that one or two, one or two. <laughs> can I because I was by the pool um and like I think the oh yeah the girls had gone to Aldi to get some more Prosecco and I was just by the pool <laughs> and I was like this doesn't work this is WhatsApp with Shola and Liana like go, I didn't yeah. think of it's work and so that's my only um kind of negative or like my vice is like doing things that feels fun but I think I think to be honest it's just like having boundaries that are personal to you like my personal boundaries are like I actually like dipping into my emails yeah but at the same time you have to um have be really aware of warning signals to do with burnout if I get any symptoms of slight you going down the burnout route I know to like nip it in the bud and that's the thing what I suppose those signals are different for Everybody, mm. I, I listened to somebody recently talk about, about burnout and she said when she's overworked, overworked, when she starts being kind of ratty and a bit mean to people that she's working with, she knows mm. I need to get out of here because it's yeah. like it, that it's quite easy to feel like when you're really under pressure, everything is too much. Things that usually like you take in your stride all feel like just a bit. And also, I feel like you have to train other people to not take the piss. Mm -hmm. So, like, I remember the same problem occurred recently that, that I had when I was um, an intern um, when I used to reply to my boss's emails at midnight because okay. I'd be like, I'm always on, look at me. I'm mm. up at night replying to you, doing your work, booking these things. And um, I just started to email back in the mornings. I just mm -hmm. slowly, slowly started to not be at her beck and call. And I've now really sort of made sure that I do that now in my sort of more like grown-up job like I'm not at people's beck and call I was gonna say so I think like in terms of we all work freelance and I think what we've said is really really important like knowing boundaries knowing when to switch off like being quite self-disciplined mm -hmm. and also as you were saying Angela like being able to say no to stuff not like yeah. yes to everything um but for people who work you know in an office in the real world or in a factory or whatever else I think it's really important for employers to start to understand that burnout and stress and overworking people doesn't just affect them it affects their business there's a, a really good quote I like from the CEO of a company called Reich he's called Andrew Phillip and he says you wouldn't overload a piece of machinery and expect it to last long without failure the same principles apply to humans and actually if you look at the cost of the industry I think like something like in the UK alone here we go I've got the facts here in the UK alone um, in one year 11.7 .7 million days were lost to stress depression or anxiety that was between 2015 and 16. 11.7 mm -hmm. million. And it cost the UK six point billion pounds. So if you think like as an employer, like it would be so to their benefit to start introducing things which could help not only monitor people's like 
stress and burnout, but also, you know, things like introducing duvet days. And yeah. there was also a really cool study where they found that if you gave people the option to nap at work, if you created like a napping room, they'd have like a 20 minute nap, but they were much more productive after that. Afterwards. So again, like employers create nap rooms. No, but just little things like that, like allowing people to feel that they can take time off when they need it, like not pushing people beyond their limits. Cause you're going to ruin your own productivity and your own profits. And anyway. I think ultimately businesses, you know, obviously there are some employers who really care about the welfare of their individual staff, but a lot of the time it does come down to the bottom, bottom line. line. And yeah. if they can see that actually their bottom line will be helped rather than hindered by, you know, allowing employees to have a bit more balance, then that's good for everybody. Absolutely. Also, I really want this like flexibility thing to be like not a stigma of, I don't want this flex flexibility kind of campaign to just think like it's millennials on a beach with their laptops like I would hate for that to be the the stereotype because actually flexibility I feel like shouldn't be a perk it should be like a a right in the workplace because if you think about it like yeah you might have kids um but also you might have a sick parent you might have to care for someone like I just feel like whatever your situation everyone should be entitled to being a human Mm -hmm. having free time When you're ready to pop the question, the last thing you want to do is second-guess the ring. At BlueNile.com, you can design a -a one-of-a-kind ring with the ease and convenience of shopping online. Choose your diamond and setting. When you find the one, you'll get it delivered right to your door. Go to BlueNile.com and use promo code LISTEN to get $50 off your purchase of $500 or more. That's code LISTEN at BlueNile.com for $50 off your purchase. BlueNile.com, code LISTEN. Ryan Reynolds here from Mint Mobile. With the price of just about everything going up during inflation, we thought we'd bring our prices down. So to help us, we brought in a reverse auctioneer, which is apparently a thing. Mint Mobile Unlimited Premium Wireless. Ready to get 30, 30, ready to get 30, ready to get 20, 20, 20, ready to get 20, 20, ready to get 15, 15, 15, 15, just 15 bucks a month. So give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. Um, and not yeah not being not being burnt out but again we have the luxury of maybe looking for that how does a teacher organize flexible time there's lots of stuff around like job sharing yeah and pairing up with people and just making sure that the workload is covered in ways but I mean it's a massive complex I I actually think it's something that you know should go up to government level I think it's got to that serious a level now in our country well not just in our country Mm. you know across the board but I think I do think it needs the government needs to look at introducing things which encourages you know there are some jobs you can't like you, you you know you're gonna have to do a shift you know I suppose if you're like a surgeon you know you're gonna yeah. have to always work and you know NHS cuts on us you're gonna have to always work like way more hours than you should um, and be way more underpaid if you're a nurse for example than you mm-hmm. should um, but I think yeah like introducing new measures or at least looking at it at least if we start to like research and understand it. it and seeing what things can work like this nap study okay it may seem a bit silly but it actually really yeah. worked um, and I do think like something else which is like becoming like very trendy now but I do think it works is just the whole idea of mindfulness so about like whatever you're doing at that moment and that doesn't just mean meditating but like if you're cooking like be cooking in that like, moment yeah. yeah be like focusing on the smells and you know if you're even if like you're walking like feel the ground under your feet like don't be like texting this from the phone. girl who does taxes while she's driving I but this is, this is the thing it's been a massive struggle for me to do it I do I have an app called Headspace yes, that I so. use um, and I love it now but I found it really hard at the beginning but I think like 
you can just you don't have to just do like that you know 15 minutes in the morning mm-hmm. meditation or whatever it's the mindfulness throughout the day. the day and yeah. I'm I'm so prone to like slipping out of that and I have to make it really conscious Same. but I think it, it you know it has been shown in like proper studies to really help like bring your cortisol levels down bring your adrenaline levels down and that has a physical effect on your body yeah. and a physical like an actual effect on your brain so you know it's not just like mumbo jumbo it's not like just kidneys. airy fairy yeah. yeah this is like you know scientifically proven like reducing like stress cortisol, levels reducing, yeah, yeah exactly and it's making us like much healthier so, i yeah. think it's so good that um you talk about it because i remember when i interviewed you last year at the cheltenham festival i think the way that you articulated it as well about how you in a way were lucky it was physical because if it was just mental you could have gone even further in a way like having physical symptoms allowed you to be like this is actually happening well and also allows you to go to an employer look at this i need to get it sorted out whereas and it raised that stigma of mental health because if if it was just mental and you didn't have physical symptoms, it actually was still just as important. Yeah, I mean, yeah. I you know I don't I don't want to talk about it too much just only because like I'm not for privacy reasons at all, but more just because like I don't want people to think like I'm going oh poor me isn't it awful because I do think on the spectrum of what people go through like it was definitely on like the least serious side of things even though it looked quite shocking, but it was you know it really like it didn't really affect me mentally it didn't really you know it's not anything that didn't have of, a lasting yeah effect, and I but. that was you know what I was saying then was like yeah you know if it had been mental health I probably would have pushed myself way beyond the point when I went I need to stop now because no one else can see it you can't see it yourself even you sort of convince yourself that you need to just push through or even if it had been something physical but internal you know and that's I worry about people like who are in far more stressful situations than I was who you know literally have heart attacks for example or respiratory failure and you know I just think we all have to be like really aware of ourselves and like watch ourselves and also for each other there's so much positive talk around mental health and by positive talk I mean we're talking about it um, openly but still I think there's a kind of time limit Mm. like if you had those hives for nine months people would say she's still got those hives for nine months there must be something wrong she needs to get them sorted I think an employer or even friends and family no matter how brilliant they are will go okay you've had nine when are we when is this Mm. when is this and and you know what else there is I think people don't give themselves like let themselves off the hook to even go to the doctor like it took me months to even go to a doctor because I was like oh I'm fine haven't got time whatever it's gonna be fine and I think people do that all the time I was listening to the radio the other day and someone was saying that they weren't they hurt their back at work and they wanted to go and get their back fixed and they were told like they needed to take that as like time off and I just think like that kind of pressure on people to not be allowed to look after themselves and not just yeah. say like if you're unwell, like go and speak to someone. Like you're not gonna, you're not a whinger. You're not, you know, soft, whatever. You're actually just being sensible, um, and go like early, go like before things have gone too far. Yeah. Um, you know, whether that is physical or mental. Which in a way, like when you go back to the bottom line, somebody sorting out a twinge in their back for a couple of hours in the morning versus being signed off for two weeks with a slip disc. You know what I mean? It's like, okay, actually if you nip things in the bud and you're aware and you're mindful and you're not ashamed to go in and say, I just want to sort this out. I know it sounds a little trivial almost, but it's the beginning. Well, and how short-sighted with the employer? Because again, like if someone's then signed off work with a, horrific back issues 
for months, you're gonna have to pay them sick leave. Yeah. Like get like say to them, yeah, anytime you need to go and like sort yourself out. People, you know, maybe some people will take advantage of that, but the majority of people won't. And overall, I think you'll be mm. definitely way better off. And I think, I think if you've got a decent boss, you don't take yeah. advantage. If you've exactly, got a dick yeah. who will never get give you two hours <laughs> off for, you know, a medical reason or a personal reason or anything else, then you kind of go, you know what? Actually, I'm sick of that. I'm going to take two weeks off. It's so obvious, isn't it? Like, but that no one does it. Like, happy employees means happy people, which <laughs> means harder working people like yeah. uh, if you like someone you want to do them proud i'm such it's... a fan of duvet days like having just like you know a couple of days a year when you're allowed to just on the morning ring up and be like i need it you know even if it's just because you're hung over whatever just be like yeah. if, obviously again some jobs you can't because you know you, it's an emergency situation but in most jobs you can and yeah. i think it's such a nice thing to people and then they won't call in sick either they'll I just know, take their duvet I? days yeah but wasn't there a thing recently where a girl um uh, a woman so she emailed her boss saying uh, she wouldn't make it in she was having a mental health oh, day oh yes yeah. and so I don't know whether it was technically a duvet day but it was I think she called it a mental health day and the the boss responded back CCing in all of the employees which okay I mean she had to be okay with that but <laughs> saying this is brilliant this is a real example of what we should be doing you know I'm, I'm typing as I talk uh, yeah, that you, well done for looking after your mental health. We should all take this as an example of how we should look after ourselves. Brilliant. And I thought, what? I really love that. And I love, like, that when there's a meteor conversation around, like, the self-care thing. Mm-hmm. Because I feel like some, ma- like, magazines, I don't know, like, glossy outlets kind of put this self-care thing as, like, buying yourself a Jo Malone candle and, yeah. like, having a bath. And I'm like, God, it's so much more than that mm-hmm. it's so much more than materialistic things mm-hmm. like yeah. self-care is actually like really hard if you are conditioned to put other people before you mm-hmm. which especially women are yeah you have to force yourself to do it to be like it seems so selfish doesn't it to look yeah. after yourself but you have to but if you look after yourself you're going to be in a much better position to look after other people mm-hmm. so you're actually doing it for other people too yeah. as barney would say what does he say um, what's the thing he ends on I'm just thinking of our Americanism oh no party. wait I've got one as, it's as like RuPaul said go on if you can't love yourself how the hell are you going to love anybody yes! else yes! 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 <laughs> I mean on that note uh, thank you so much Angela thank you for coming on our <laughs> very odd podcast we love an odd podcast also love our colour coordinates and thank you so much Angela thank you Thank you so much to Angela for yet another insightful episode. Hope you guys enjoyed that too. And in fact, that is the last episode for season one of Get It Off Your Breast. I can't believe how quickly that time's gone. But thank you so much for joining us on what has been such an incredible journey. Um, Thank you also to our fantastic guests. We've had so many wonderful people joining us from so many different walks of life. We're really looking forward to bringing you more exciting and varied and interesting guests in season two. Um, And we also want to say a huge thank you to our incredible producer, Shola, without whom we could not have created this podcast. But most of all, of course, thanks to you for listening, um, for subscribing, for joining us each and every week, for rating and reviewing us. You've been absolutely fantastic. And in fact, what we thought we'd do for season two is invite you to get stuff off your breasts too because so many of you have commented and messaged us saying that you really want to share some of your thoughts too and we've shared a lot of our thoughts and our guest thoughts and it's your turn so if you want to get something off your breast because we can tell that some episodes are getting people riled up in good and bad ways and we just want to hear all of your thoughts because this is what this podcast has been about for us is being really unfiltered and getting conversations out there 
So if you want to join the conversation for season two, please can you send us a voice memo using WhatsApp or using anything on your phone. So email us, getitoffyourbreast at gmail.com and we want to play some of your get it off your breast moments in season two it could be stuff we've discussed it can be stuff we haven't even thought of and you just happened to come up with that day and you really want to have a place to share it with other people and um, try and make it if you can um up to 30 seconds probably no longer than that and we cannot wait to hear what you guys have to get off your breast suit too we'll see you when season two kicks off and thank you again for all your support we've absolutely loved making it see you in the new year When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply.